0: In that single night, we burned to death 100,000 Japanese civilians in Tokyo—men, women, and children. Are you aware this was going to happen? Well, I was—I was part of a mechanism that, that in a sense, recommended it.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, because, just because we're recording doesn't mean we've actually started. Mm.
0: Here's the thing, Dan. Mm. Uh, here's, the thing about, me, about, here's the thing no about here's the thing about people these days. Mm. Um, I don't. Know. I don't really have anything to say. No, it's no been a very lie, depressing really. week. And yeah, depressing week in the sense of good. I, I suppose we should bring up the uh, George Floyd uh, cop trial just briefly, just uh-huh. to say, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of these cops has been. Uh, shown some semblance of justice yeah. but i've just found the whole thing very really disgusting all of it oh, i mean obviously but like media coverage and just like we did it you know what i mean yeah it oh, just... <laughs> God. mission accomplished it does seem like
1: everybody feels that they uh, deserve it in um being part of the victory yeah <laughs> yeah i know and like we solved it there's just one bad guy
0: <laughs> and society has triumphed exactly and of course as we all know dan the police departments and the justice system did this uh not to save any kind of institutional racism or any kind of institutional <laughs> exploitation but perhaps to move on right <laughs> to have a new institutions so, uh, what
1: those... are institutions but collections of individuals
0: what? <laughs> oh my God! You're blowing my mind. We live under communism. <laughs> um, did you get the
1: same? We might have to cut this out. Did you get the same. <laughs> you get the same email um, that I got today. Huh. Um, my employer was uh, felt the need to make a statement. I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. Sure. I guess we would have gotten it. I was like, why
0: did we get the same email? I never thought about that. It mean, just struck me as a bit odd. Why? Did you see that the person that sent it was like? I was like, oh, this must have been from like the big boss, and it was. Kind of just some person. <laughs> I, was I like, had okay. no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's odd. Anyway. I don't know what the purpose of that email was. Yeah, it was I, was like... a bit, I was just a bit <laughs> like, I
1: I, I I didn't read very much of it, but I was just a bit taken aback. Like, why do you suddenly
0: feel like... Hang on. Is your mic on? Oh, oh, oh. Is your mic on? Oh, oh, oh.
1: Have you turned it on? It's now off.
0: Now it's off. Now it's off. It was doing
1: things.
0: All right. Yeah. Now, now turn it back on?
1: Oh, it's on. It's on.
0: Is it on? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, i just oh. turn it up then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, forget for ignore what I just did. Ignore that. What were you saying? So we might <laughs> have to start again. Hey everybody, how's it going? <laughs> it's been a great week.
1: <laughs> we're having a blast. Having a blast over here, Best folks. Best week of the year so far. You know
0: what? You know what really bothered me about the whole situation and um, the world this past Ooh. week is okay. is nothing, nothing too big. Then. <laughs> nothing too big. Um, just just I think the general like. I, I did see a few takes that were like, you know, I, I, I am above all of this. I would never revel in the uh, in the incarceration of another human being. Sure. And it's just like, yeah. go <laughs> fuck yourself. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I would never. God bless those people. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be so ideologically pure. Yeah, yeah. Virtue signaling, perhaps. What's going on here? Say something. What? All right. Yeah, you're fine. I don't know. I'm paranoid. But I
1: just keep, uh, but maybe I'm be speaking too quietly. Maybe I need to speak more loudly. Yeah. I suppose so. Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that seems fine. I was going to keep my eye That's on it. That's how they work. Interesting. I mm-hmm. like that, as you noted, and we'll come back to this in a second, as you noted last week after we stopped recording because we forgot uh, half a year of the show, we'll get uh-huh. back to that. Still haven't figured out how to record. No, yeah, audio. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. L- l- just before we started recording, I was telling Jack how I'd realised I was talking into the into the mic wrong last week.
0: So. Wait, you're supposed to face it. <laughs> I put mine behind. Mm. Uh
1: huh. We just we just don't want to be too professional. Yeah, we want we to keep need a- to maintain some of that sort of amateurish veneer just <laughs> yeah. for a little while, just for our own. <laughs> well-being i think mental well-being
0: i think if we realize that we've gotten really good at podcasting Mm -hmm. in the like Mm -hmm. technical sense Mm -hmm. that's gonna be a dark day self-care it is self-care being bad at podcasting yeah Yeah, the only only thing worse than being a podcaster, (laughs) it's been good yeah (laughs) yeah exactly oh dear um I don't what know happened? what else has happened my uh, cabbage my cabbage seedlings as you know are slowly dying which isn't yeah. good so i think i'm just gonna say fucking just put them outside yeah under, under some uh some uh plastic we'll see yeah we haven't discussed mm-hmm. maybe it's well maybe look it up lock it up lock oh it look up. It, i did look maybe it up Do some research do and they know, were like maybe answers. maybe nematodes are in your soil and i was like I don't know what to do about that i have no idea what to do about that i'm
1: not sure how i feel about there being nematodes in my house <laughs> yeah, in my exactly.
0: i sleep next to these plants <laughs> um he it does it's very sweet it is quite sweet <laughs> yes um, yeah i don't know cabbage leeks are doing really well actually. Yeah, i just yeah, saw yeah, some more yeah. leeks, and they're going nuts your leeks are looking very strong yes those um, are
1: well advanced yeah considerably more advanced than ours in their <laughs> growth but ours are they've outside been, for the most part. So. They've been studying. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, there you go. I've had some tomato seed uh, was seeds that I'd sown mm. weeks and weeks and weeks ago, mm. and they finally made an appearance.
0: Oh, uh, did they? Week, so, Congratulations. Yeah. I was just thinking about that because I've been thinking I should maybe do the tomato thing. But nice. Well done. Well done. So, yeah. You know what I hate, Dan? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I hate when you, as you do, go Camerages. onto the YouTube and type in... Uh, no dig, how to grow this, how to grow that uh, advice on growing like leeks. And then like you click on one of the videos and it's like, first step, order some leek plants. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, I could have told you that.
1: Uh, how do I grow this? Source some seeds.
0: Yeah, buy the plant and then harvest it. <laughs> it's like, all right. First thing, decide you want to grow. <laughs> I saw um, how to grow cabbage video by a channel that i really really like which is kind of like an older uh i'm not gonna say evangelist couple in florida but they're they're maybe fundamentalists Mm -hmm. they got something going on but um the guy was like be sure and put a fish beneath all of your cabbage plants and i was like this is a jesus thing maybe (laughs) (laughs) is this a jesus thing maybe i don't know i've heard of people putting fish under plants but i thought that was like like the diggers might have done that. I don't know if we still do that. If we still put fish under plants, I'm okay. not sure. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. If you have a spare yeah, fish. We'll test it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let you know. <laughs> How to make leeks not vegetarian. <laughs> Kill fish to grow this plant. <laughs> uh, mm. Such is life. Mm. Such is life. Um Well, all around, great week for humanity. Um, The the,
1: uh, U.S. involvement in the war in Afghanistan is
0: finally ending. We finally (laughs) did it, Dan. We're finally leaving. No one's ever heard this before, and we're not going to have any military presence there or any kind of military bases or any kind of intelligence bases. We're just done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. stunned. Yeah wow and we won too so that's yeah, pretty good yeah 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 <laughs> we well, didn't declare victory did they so that would have been a... why not honestly yeah, why... if you're Joe Biden why not just say we won and leave god jeez, that's what I would do I'd be like oh my god we did it we've sold all of the heroin we need to sell in Afghanistan and now we uh have won so go America um well the world curls on um Enough about the present, Dan. Mm. My God. Mm. Um I, I don't I don't know how this one's gonna go.
1: Yeah, we did something a little different this <laughs> week. Um.
0: I'm a little hot coming into this <laughs> one, I'll be honest. <laughs>
1: Why don't you tell us what's different about this episode?
0: Well, Dan, what's different about this episode is that we did not read anything, um, which was... uh, A relief, a blessing. blessing. And instead we watched something. Now what that means is that we watched a moving picture. A TikTok. A TikTok. Yeah. We were (laughs) watching a QAnon conspiracy theorist TikToks. (laughs) Um, No, we decided to watch, uh, because we're planning something huge next week. Don't tell anybody we're not. Um, We decided to watch Errol Morris's Fog of War. Um, because every left podcast is talking about uh, what's his name, Adam Curtis's new movie. Mm-hmm. We figured we wouldn't, so <laughs> <laughs> just watch something else.
1: Not his new one, nor any of his nor other ones. Any of his other ones yeah. I don't think I've ever watched an entire episode of an Adam Curtis documentary. Mm. So
0: I like him, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of lefties are like. He's, uh, you know, not uh, uh, out here calling for out and out communism. And it's like, mm. do you know anybody who's doing yeah. that? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think they're pretty disturbing, but they're pretty good. Uh, do you want to tell us anything about Errol Morris, or do you want to? Uh, I mean, Errol Morris. He's a he's an interesting guy. He really makes pretty kooky movies. Um, this one is, I would say, one of his not kooky movies. It's pretty kind of. It's funny, right? Because this movie kind of presents itself as like a normal documentary that you might even see on like the History Channel Mm. about... So we should tell everybody it's about Robert McNamara and it's about his involvement with war, basically. (laughs) Um, A very kind of specific couple decades of his life from World War II, basically, until the end of Vietnam. Um... Yeah, you always get the impression
1: uh, Morris may have wanted him to... (laughs) Wanted to interview him about Vietnam and then he couldn't help but just bring up all of any aspect of his life that preceded that. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah like a, at one point he was like um, so we're going to need to talk about Vietnam and he's like well, let me tell you about the end of the war. It's like wait, which war? And He's like World War 1. <laughs> it's like okay. It was 1918. <laughs> yeah. Which okay, let's call him on the first bit of bullshit. Given yeah. that movie. he was born in 1960. <laughs> yeah. He was like my first memory is Armistice Day celebrating on the top of uh, trolley cars and <laughs> he's like you might think that was a joke. It's like I don't believe you for a second <laughs> that you remember that thing when you were two years old. <laughs> yeah, I think he said you might not believe me, and we were like,
1: <laughs> "Yes, we do not believe you, <laughs> yeah, Robert McNamara." Exactly.
0: Um, but yeah, so I mean, this movie, yeah, it does present itself as a very normal documentary, but it's funny because it does something that's a little weird, I guess, which is that it just kind of lets McNamara talk. And I mean, you you definitely don't leave this with a good feeling about McNamara mm. or about many things at all. But it's funny because it's like. Pretty much entirely his words, right? I mean, it's almost entirely just him justifying what he's done, and uh, you kind of being disgusted with his justifications in his actions. Is that fair?
1: I don't know whether I came away disgusted necessarily. Mm. Um, I think going into this, what limited information I had about Robert McNamara was kind of almost sympathetic. Mm. Um, I think mostly because sort of in comparison to people that would come on to sort of prosecute the war in Vietnam. Sure. Like at least he seemed to be somebody in in my limited understanding that I sort of come across, at least he seemed to be somebody who um, wasn't approaching it pure in a, in a purely ideologically driven way. Now it was an, it was an operative of ideology for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Not that he would necessarily think of himself as that. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, my understanding, and you got this a little bit from the description of events kind of thing. It's quite easy to uh, look at Robert McNamara's involvement with these events and knowing that he was sort of like skeptical toward the worthwhileness of being in this war um, and sort of pushing in one way or other for at least sort of limited engagement or gradual withdrawal or what have you. And then you come across the idea that like there were moves being made to end this war in the mid sixties. Sure. And you can very easily, um, you can sort of cast him as somebody who, or maybe even the entire sort of like, at least the Kennedy administration and the Johnson administration to some extent as well, sort of like, um, had things foisted upon them by events in mm. some ways. Mm. Um, but I don't know whether, I don't I don't know whether a, a, having watched this movie, it's necessarily, certainly hasn't reinforced that
0: mm. idea. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. <fair, fair>. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just a sympathetic little guy. I mean, yeah,
1: but it has like, he um, is clearly still trying to cast him. He was trying to cast himself as something of a public servant, mm. I think um and he really wants to divest himself of i suppose blame mm. um I and mean, yeah as you're saying like what's interesting about it is he kind of digs his own holes for himself mm. um and but also it feels very much like what he's doing is rattling off very well practiced lines sure. um he could almost be reading from an autobiography that he either hasn't written or has written, written yeah. but like yeah. i don't know um It's all very well um, rehearsed, I suppose, or practiced. Well, I wonder,
0: rehearsed in his own mind over the last five decades? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly as it ends with this sense that... um, Maybe we should just jump straight to the ending. (laughs) Uh, But it it does give you the sense of him being... um, If not like wracked with or feeling guilt like knowing that he has to not ask himself certain questions sure or to sort of like stave that off or at least he has to continue to perpetuate certain rationalizations um to sort of save himself to some extent or protect his sense of himself
0: yeah um, yeah um let me make a counterpoint which is that i i came away with this thinking wow, this is maybe one of the stupidest... The ratio of stupidest person to, like, a, like, less social level on the, like, social ladder that they've climbed is, like, way out of proportion. Uh-huh. And I don't mean this as stupid. Obviously, he's a very... He's a numbers guy, right? And that's yeah. his whole thing. And Errol that's, Morris... That guy. Exactly. The, Errol Morris definitely makes, like... He hits you over the head with that, with, like, mm-hmm. the, like, intercut. You know, I mean, like, I always think, footage, like... Numbers. From what I know
1: about the, the war in Vietnam and his attempts to sort of, like... um transpose events into statistics like a lot of that was missed out of this documentary like yeah his entire engagement with the war in vietnam was basically present this in statistics form yeah
0: well even with the bombing and i mean let me me just say what i mean by stupidest person it's like because
1: yeah i think we do need to need to linger for a little while on the character yeah. of Robert McNamara, how he presents himself, how he comes yeah. across. Because there were some weird peculiarities that I can't sort of like reconcile in my head. Yeah. Possible.
0: Well, I just mean like, he here's someone who was defense secretary, right? And before that, he was president of Ford for a couple of weeks, which I kind of find very <laughs> funny. And then before that, he was, um, I guess, just like some, I don't know exactly what his title was in the Air Force, but he was like the guy crunching the numbers for the Air Force saying like, what city should we obliterate in Japan next, Yeah,
1: I mean, that was almost the most... I mean, maybe it's because it lingered on it for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, And it lingered on a very specific event or a very specific series of events that Mm -hmm. he was complicit in in World War II. Sure. Um, That was almost the
0: more troubling... Oh, well, sure. I mean, infinitely more people died Uh (laughs) based on that. But I mean, like, here's a guy who... you know, if you were someone who was looking for the American dream, he didn't start from nothing. He kind of tried to make it, like, you seem like he started from nothing. He's like, I was too poor to attend Harvard so I went to Berkeley. It's like, yeah, all right. But, like, here's someone who was able to pretty much work his way up through the ranks Uh, in some sense. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously it's not all, like, wow, this kid's got gumption. He was a numbers guy in a time where they needed numbers guys, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, while he was really good at that, he... He, I don't think he really had any kind of political sense in in the vein of like, well, what am I being used for? Because I think throughout the entire movie we see that he's just being used by other people, and that doesn't really get into this too much in the movie. Maybe we'll talk about it next week if we talk about the book. Mm-hmm. But like, when, for example, when he is in World War II and his time in World War II, he shrugs off the atrocities that he helped commit by basically being like well, you know, LeMay said this, LeMay said that, Curtis LeMay was one of the biggest villains of the 20th century, right? And then when it's like, you know, we get this idea of him going to Ford and being being made president as like, he did it through his own gumption. It's like, no, well, the like other guy who made him president was kind of just using him because they like needed to, There was a failing company and they needed to like have a stats guy come in and a new fresh face. And then obviously in Vietnam, it's like, He thinks that he's saving American lives and, like, promoting freedom and justice around the world by, like, crunching these numbers and using statistics in the mind. And it's like, he still thinks the Gulf of Tonkin was, like, like when this movie was made, when he was an old man. He still thinks that the Gulf of Tonkin was, like, ah, this damn North Vietnamese blowing up one of our ships. He He, like, still totally believed in so much of this crap about, like... Americans spreading freedom and it was like it was very clear even from like a cursory understanding of the history surrounding that time period that like here was someone who we might like to think was like in control of all of their facilities but was like kind of just being used completely by like other people for various means like and he just doesn't see that at all and it's so funny because like to take that to another extent it's like whenever Errol asks him to justify what he's been part of he just shrugs off on other people to the point where errol goes okay like how do you feel about what you did in vietnam whose responsibility is that and he goes what's the president's it's just like what if you just spent this whole time talking about this was all your idea oh did you uh authorize use of agent orange i don't know maybe i authorized a lot of stuff yeah, that Who was cares? One of the worst bits it's like <laughs> yeah like agent
1: orange was used and it turned out it was a horrible like <laughs> uh chemical weapon and it killed loads of people and uh but uh, yeah like it was used and it was terrible because he's very keen to like his whole shtick is like, I'm looking back on history yeah. with a hindsight that I couldn't have at the time. Yeah. And so I'm sort of like absolved to some extent by the fact that I I now know I, I'm sort of Satanly because I am able to reckon with these things. I'm not I'm not that's what I'm makes not me so sick. desperate to hide behind yeah. I'm not but, but at the same time, like he's also willing to sort of like say lines like the one you just referenced where he's like did I, did I actually, I'm not, I did, I'm not sure whether I actually authorised, I'm not sure I was the one that authorised the use of uh, Agent Orange. Me, Robert McNamara, US Defence Secretary. Yeah.
0: Before we go any further, we stand, Dan, in complete solidarity with the nice young Quaker boy who set himself on fire underneath the Robert McNamara's office. We've said before, this is a pro-Quaker podcast. That was pretty baller. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Maybe not bowler that he was almost killed his daughter, but like no. bowler in the sense of like damn.
1: Yeah, what was his name? How? how
0: I'm not sure. Yeah, I do like how he compared himself. To the yeah, King. that was the <laughs> thing. Yeah, I was a bit.
1: I was a bit taken aback. I was like, "Are you Robert McNamara? Like comparing yourself to the guy who self-immolated in <laughs> protest outside of your office in
0: 1964 or 65? How? How? How?" have we created a world where someone like that is able to become defense secretary? It's very obvious because he's just a technocrat who crunches numbers, but it's like this guy had no idea what he was doing. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, you confront him with a bit of paper that's like, you know, we destroyed Tokyo today. It's like, you know, however many thousands of years old city, however many like millions of people we killed because of these bombings that you were able to be like, how can we kill more people Uh, better how can we do it better with uh without losing our wingman something like that it's like he he just it's something it's something beyond simple like he's just breaking his brain to not think about what he did Mm -hmm. it's like he has always believed and is just a it's just a product of something it's a product of something in society where he just goes yeah well i mean you know we would have been war criminals had we lost but we didn't i'm robert mcnamara baby (laughs) let's talk about ford it's like yeah, I don't know. I'm coming in a little hot. I still don't know if I figured out what it is that was able to make him so psychopathic. Because there's people like Curtis LeMay who knew exactly what they were doing and who had seen war and who had gone, fuck it. That's just what we're going to do. That's what we got to do to win this war. We have to, you know, let's destroy Cuba. Let's destroy China. Let's destroy the USSR. But, like, he's he, he isn't even at that level. And it's almost like you almost, when you're confronted with LeMay versus McNamara— you're almost a little, I mean, not sympathetic, but you're almost more sympathetic to LeMay because he knew exactly what he was doing. McNamara was just like, <laughs> look at me. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, it was LeMay, I think. And it was
1: McNamara was quoting LeMay as saying that if we lose this, we'll be war criminals kind of thing. Like, at least he was willing to reconcile <laughs> with what he was doing. It was A weird thing that I noticed was there were two occasions when McNamara in the movie, except for the end, mm. There are two occasions when he actually seemed almost... There's one occasion where he's clearly brought to tears mm, when he's talking sure. about um, Kennedy's death. <laughs> and the other time when he seems to be almost brought to tears is when he's um, describing S- LeMay talking about yeah. the sort of aftermath of... The, the, the leveling of Tokyo with firebombs kind of mm. thing. It's almost as if he can only engage with his like really like amateur psychology now. <laughs> <laughs> almost like he can only engage with those feelings of remorse when he's engaging with somebody else is sort of of actually demonstrating what it is kind of thing.
0: I mean, he's directly confronted about like, what do you think about what you did to Japan? And Mm. he goes, well, Curtis LeMay would have said this. And it's like, what would you have said? (laughs) It's like, he's too stupid to say something. It's like, he's not psychopathic enough to be Curtis LeMay. That's why I just think he's like, he was just kind of stupid. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, my sense of every time I look at him, well one thing like i hadn't really thought about this idea of him being used by all these people throughout mm. Mm. sort of the narrative arc of this movie which um, and his sort of political career and also his professional career i suppose mm-hmm. um and i think you've convinced me that's sort of the correct way to look <laughs> at it um but also there was just this sense when i look at him there's, there's this double sense i've never seen somebody both look totally out of place <laughs> and also seem to feel totally at ease.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. It was
1: very—it's very peculiar to watch him because he's walking mm. in these halls of power, or he's about to give a press conference, um, and he—he he some, he somehow manages to do both: being bumbling <laughs> and a bit of an idiot, and also generally ease with the situation. Yeah. And it's very hard to like. He—it's not like to use a sort of contemporary piece of slang like <laughs> it's not cringe right you don't <laughs> you don't feel some sense of like Robert McNamara what a strange person you are but you want you kind of want to because he, yeah. he is, is clearly inherently a bit weird yeah. kind of thing, and maybe it stems from what you're describing of this kind of like person who is so sort of detached from he may it might well be that he was sort of psychologically detached from the human experience of <laughs> Doing these, <laughs> being in these positions, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Well, what experience it was that he was having.
0: Yeah. Well, and how crazy was it when he was, <clears throat> he was confronted about like, well, okay, those two supposed attacks that really like ramped up American involvement. in Vietnam. Yeah. No, I
1: didn't really understand the the the, the course of events. So we, maybe we'll you will talk about it next week. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but suffice it to say, the Gulf of Tonkin attacks basically have been proven to have been and, and the, so there was so there was there was the two supposed. Attacks Torpedo attacks on... on patrol boats that were just hanging out in Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> International waters, Jack. Don't yeah, that. Exactly. But when he's confronted about that, about like, well, this is the thing that started the Vietnam War, which started like, you know, quite a bit of human suffering. Yeah. Like, he really drops really like, and this is another thing that just made me go, this guy's just an idiot. Like, how can you be... You can be mad at him, but it's like the guy's just kind of stupid. Is he at one point just goes, um, well, you know, we had uh, later kind of came out that there was uh, some American involvement um, with assassinating these two leaders in the coup and then with uh, Gulf of Tonkin. And it's like he just moves on and it's like you're talking about treason is what you're talking about. (laughs) Like, you know, hey, obviously, I no love for a nation state. No, I don't care about treason. But it's like if he has any of the values that he says he has, which I, I honestly believe that he does, like. What he's talking about is, like, you, you must have known who these people were because of the, like, uh, turmoil going on in Kennedy's uh, inner circles. It's like, you knew who these people were who set this up. And he just goes, yeah, whatever, but I was just the numbers guy. It's like, yeah, what? I, <laughs> I probably ought to make
1: a correction of what I said earlier in preparation for next week's episode. Uh, earlier, <laughs> I suggested that the Kennedy administration and Mark Kamara were... Um, Fortune to events, kind of thing. They mm. kind of wanted to get out of Vietnam, but mm. just things kept happening
0: that <laughs> kept drawing back in. Um, there is more of a story behind these things. Very that intentional. Keep happening. <laughs> Very intentional. How that just happens in these countries that almost go communist. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's absolutely baffling. The guy is like, he's r- bought the American dream to the extent that he just believes that he just has to do his job, with, kind of without questioning it. And it's weird because it's almost not even a question of him questioning the evil things that he's done. It's just him going, you know, like, well, that's just the way things work. You know, there, there are going to be conservative elements that, uh, you know, assassinate a couple people to continue an American war of imperialism. And it's just, I'm just the numbers guy. And it's like, you know, what's crazy is um, McNamara was considered like one of the more liberal progressive. Mm-hmm. He was He was considered like progressive in Kennedy's administration because he was the like, not LeMay, let's just bomb everything. He's like, well if we bombed everything, what would that accomplish? How many dead people versus how many dead people on our side? Like that was people. Yeah, his great
1: virtue seems to be that he was willing to weigh the pros and cons of killing like (laughs) vast hundreds of thousands of people. (laughs) Well was it it? It wasn't like an ideological desire. Yeah. It wasn't predicated out of racism. It was just predicated out of like
0: stats. Stats. Stats which made no sense when LeMay stood up after they had, like, firebombed Tokyo and there's the really sad American Air Force guy who was like, I want to know who it was that told us to fly at low altitudes because my gunner was shot and died. And LeMay's like, God damn it, we killed 100,000 Japanese tonight. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's like the pros and cons. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I get, I get so flustered even thinking about these people. So I, I can't recall...
1: Presum- presumably even if it was McNamara who suggested using a different type of ordinance in bombing Tokyo, mm. mm-hmm. he didn't admit to it. What, yeah. The, what Yeah, he. What
0: was, what was, what was it about his statistical analysis? I think it was that the bombs were less when they had to be dropped from a higher altitude. Yeah. They've got these they they were high less altitude accurate. bombers. Yeah. So
1: they were avoiding mass casualties yeah. of their own planes. Yeah. Or their own uh, pilots, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, But the bombs weren't being as effective. So maybe it was just his stats that proved that of the ineffectiveness of these bombing runs.
0: Well, I think it's like, you don't want to, how can we make these bombing runs more effective? You don't want to just drop bigger bombs because like it could still be inaccurate. You need bombs with like a bigger surface area of destruction. Oh, the city's made of wood. Let's just burn the entire thing down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's so progressive. (laughs) just a solution to a problem he's just presented with a problem
1: and it solves the solution
0: (laughs) god and how how disturbing is it whenever you're reminded about just how many bombs were dropped on um southeast asia during the quote-unquote vietnam war Mm -hmm. and you know he casually just dropped you know we dropped three times as many bombs uh in southeast asia as we did in all of europe Europe in world war ii it's just like (sighs) (sighs)
1: god and then they decided because they were worried about the security of the planes, they were probably gonna to have to put boots on the ground.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't have more more planes being destroyed. It's very interesting. I wonder to what extent he's a product of like um corporate culture, because he very much you know, he wasn't like a he wasn't like a bullish, like, let's go kick some ass Wall Street executive, mm. owns a hedge fund kind of guy. He was just very much a like what about if we put seatbelts in cars and they're like, you're a genius, we'll make you the president of the company? <laughs> you know? I almost feel like that, works, like that basically sums up
1: this entire movie and its entire life. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> after, um, after his, the end of his involvement in World War II, because World War II came to an end, <laughs> and then yeah. he and his wife both caught polio at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we shouldn't that. have it recorded you sort of smoking. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> he was almost proud of that. It was weird. He's like, yeah. how many yeah, husband yeah, and wives starts, do you right, know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's so statistically improbable. Statistics. That, 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 <laughs> oh my God. That a, that a husband and wife would catch polio at exactly the same time. He was always pleased to have been <laughs> part of the minority statistic.
0: I mean, isn't polio... In, I don't know. I'm not uh, yeah, never uh, mind. <laughs>
1: um, And then it, it, he's like... He really he, his his line on it is like all I wanted to do was go back to teaching at Harvard and I was gonna spend <laughs> my life. I, I, I just wanted to go and be a nobody professor at Harvard, and then events just pulled me back into the fray. Kind yeah. of thing. Um, so the <laughs> so the way it's sort of told is that he was convinced by some friend of his that um, The friend was putting together a group of people who were all going to go and work for Ford Motor Company because they Mm. had like no, Mm. uh, that nobody working there was college educated, which seems to (laughs) him was intended to imply that they, they um, weren't capable of doing the kinds of statistical analysis that McNamara would have been and his Mm. collaborators were. Mm. And also like apparently Ford was going under at this point. Yeah, classic. And so he goes to Ford. And the the main so he's doing sort of statistical analysis like get me some stats. Why why is everybody
0: buying these other why are people buying Volkswagens and not Fords kind of thing? Or why Volkswagens, <laughs> World War Two had just ended. <laughs> Presumably those cars were still being made by Nazis. That's insane.
1: <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah, and then sort of all this like, Get me some get me some information on all these accidents. Why are all these accidents? And um and he was like <laughs> So it's either use of error or it's, uh, it's it's technical fault kind of thing. And it was at this point he, he, he had the saintly idea that maybe they ought to do, what they ought to do is make driving a car safer, make the car more protective of the people who are driving it. Um, and and then so they paid. go to all these lengths, this sort of like peculiar idea that what they were doing to gather get more data gathering, what he was doing was dropping human skulls off of <laughs> down a banister no off, off a large stairwell like wrapped in different types of protective material to sort of like to work out what the best way is to package a human being to package the way a he human being about. and he
0: got paid eight hundred thousand dollars for that but the point
1: the point that i wanted to get to was like he was basically like so basically all of this information led them to innovate the idea that we ought to put seatbelts in all of these cars, and then the final line on this whole discussion was, "But it turned out nobody wanted to use seatbelts, and then they got <laughs> kind of to move on to Vietnam." So it's the, it's the, almost the best metaphor for Robert McNamara's life in, in that, like, he had the great statistical breakthrough, and nobody mm. wanted to follow him along with it. Kind of yeah, so he's
0: just like, "Fuck it, I don't care." Yeah that's again the numbers that's, are right so I'm quite yeah. happy with you. it's just another reason I just I think this guy just wasn't very bright is because it's like that was his idea and he just didn't care about following it through it was just 50,000 people however many people die a year in a car crash you know if I put my foot down and do, yeah whatever I don't care it's yeah, like yeah. I could do anything I'm <laughs> the president I've, of the company I found a
1: solution to the problem yeah. so like we don't have to it's not my, I'm not interested in actually getting people to take up the solution to the problem, just so long as I know what the solution is. Not, <laughs> yeah, jeez. And it's the same with, I don't actually need to convince LeMay or Kennedy <laughs> exactly. or Johnson or whatever. Like, all I need to do is sort of present the ideas. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny, right? Because, like, at, you know, as as materialists, we I think we do kind of, like, obviously, to um, kind of, like, take... The people out of it to a certain extent you know what I mean and be like well you know after the uh, end of World War II a confrontation with quote-unquote communism might have been inevitable because of America's like imperialist aims and blah 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 but like in this movie it's it's a little spooky because you do kind of see like oh wow Curtis LeMay really caused quite a bit of trouble and quite a bit of suffering just by being a human like an actor in history you know what I mean and like Kennedy to a certain extent yeah obviously did too and stuff but it's like
1: LeMay was presented as being really disappointed with the conclusion to the Cuba Missile Crisis (laughs) because they really wanted an excuse to bomb Cuba. To destroy Cuba
0: i like that i like because at one point he says you know there are a lot of big like big people in america calling for an invasion of cuba it's like okay you mean the mafia is what you mean and the cia specifically so like i love the idea of them being like we need to retake uh we need to retake cuba and the american government's solution is to destroy it and all of the mobsters are like i guess we can't put casinos there anymore it's like well win 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 lose you know (laughs) someone's got to (laughs) lose at least they got rid of castro um but yeah i mean again just to yeah (laughs) yeah geez (laughs) and oswald whoa who said that and jack ruby for that matter i will save that for a later episode um but my my point about about all of that is like the movie i think it's the beginning i think it's like framed with those little plaques right that kennedy gave Mm -hmm. everybody that's like um, silver engraved plaques of the month of october in 1962 63 62. 62, yeah, because Kennedy would die in November 63, I believe. So the point of... 61. Ken- oh, Maybe 61. In the 60s, You got, should you, say. You, Look it up, guys. I'll like, let Google, I... <laughs> Google, Google the Cuban Missile Crisis. You'll find out. Google Cuban Missile Crisis. And then Charles <laughs> Dowding, and then Murray Bookchin. <laughs> but like, so Kennedy gave all of these plaques to people to basically be like, we came pretty, pretty close to nuclear war in these in this week. Um, I also like how when McNamara is explaining it, he's like, these were the several days that we came closest to nuclear war. It was October 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd. And he just goes on and on. It's like, uh, (laughs) exactly. It's like, whoa, okay. Um, But again, that's a moment that I think like uh, certainly deserves uh, to, you know, I don't know, study for like a materialist point of view. Because it was like, well, to what extent did Khrushchev and Kennedy specifically Big, uh, you know, play a part in the absolute changing of history, right? And it's, it's, it's one that's always pointed to, kind of a lot by the right wing, quite frankly. But maybe, I don't know, maybe meaningfully so, because by all accounts on either side, like, Kennedy was like, okay, a lot of people were telling him to just destroy Cuba and start a nuclear war, but, I don't know, I don't want to give Kennedy too much credit, but, like, to a certain extent, he did say, that doesn't seem like a good idea, you know? And you, and, and I don't know, you do wonder, and this is disturbing, I think, as, like, perhaps materialist that it could have gone another way it freaks me out Uh i don't know what that's i feel like
1: people are put in the positions they're put in by history kind of thing but they still have the opportunities to be those people kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it does you do get the impression that both yeah Chris jeff and uh kennedy were instrumental in sort of cooling this situation a little bit Mm It was funny how mac and mara is just like and we got through it purely by luck. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh, it's just chance. We came this close to nuclear <laughs> yeah. apocalypse. It's just chance that we got away with it. Um, now, let me tell you about seatbelts. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh God, I felt nauseous watching. And then, that. Yeah, one of the adages is like, people are rational, but they don't always. That, that rationality doesn't always result in yeah. uh, rational outcomes. And then in the next in the next section, he's talking about how. Uh, he met Castro and Castro, he reckons that Castro was totally up for like all like nuclear apocalypse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Castro's like, let's do it, baby. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Whether that, that, whether that sort of story is true or not, you don't necessarily get the impression that um, most of the heads that were operating at the time were rational. Yeah, no kidding.
0: (laughs) How great was the moment when, uh, he says something about, like, you know, Castro's very belligerent. <laughs> and Errol Morris stops him for a second and was like, because we invaded Cuba. And he's like, <laughs> well, oh, yeah, on. there was a bear. Yeah, of pigs. Come on. But like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bear pigs, Alpha 66, all of that. You know, moving on. My goodness.
1: Yeah, so it was like, well, I was with the, to do with that, so I really like, can't possibly have been significant, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This, what does this have to do with numbers? Come on. I think, I think the most important thing that we need to talk about, Dan, when we talk about this movie, um, is Robert McNamara's hair. We have to talk about what was going on with... Because Re- I think that was mainly the star of the movie. Is that that we was, see him when he was very young. destruction. <laughs> it was very odd. And then when you bought up his very strange hair part, and then as we get into Vietnam, it's... Uh, <laughs> and then cat. we... <laughs> black Is that good luck? Oh, God. No, no, no. And then we get into Vietnam, and his hair's are looking a little bit worse. Then we get to after Vietnam, and it's looking bad. And then you, like, realize... He's never changed his hairstyle to the point of when he's been like in 2003. Every school book photo that he's got from like yeah. the 30s or whatever. But then in like 2003, he's tried to keep his hair, and he just has these disgusting just little patches of like, dude, just come on, you got to shave at least the top of your head. So what this tells us is... <laughs>
1: The most important thing we've learned about Robert McNamara from watching this movie is he had the most amazing comb-over you have ever seen. Yeah, I He was making the smallest amount of hair really work very, very well. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like it, the, the the sort of hair follicles that he had along his f- fringe and sort of... Um, yeah, sort of... <laughs> I don't know what that part of the... The sideburn, I suppose, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're really working,
0: do, do, carrying the lion's share of <laughs> yeah. the
1: work in covering the rest of his very bold um, and very
0: true. Yeah. Poor guy. Um, yeah. Uh, no, very... good on it. Well done. Well, oh, well, sure. well
1: done, Robert McNamara. <laughs> Making great use of a comb and bro
0: cream. <laughs> a lot of cream. A lot of cream. One thing that also um, I found disturbing about this movie, I would say, was the language that, first of all, LBJ does not come across very well in this movie at all. He just comes across as just a Cretan, just an absolute cretin. But the language specifically that he was using when he was presumably just drunk at a press conference was obviously this isn't a hot take, but very similar to the language used in the War on Terror. But to the point where it was like, obviously Texan, sounded so much like Bush's accent. It was just it was very like, a hit times a flat <laughs> circle, isn't it? <laughs> It's just like, oh, God. Yeah, and America never loses wars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God. Did McNamara have any comment on that, on whether or not we lost or not? I forget. I don't
1: think it was asked of him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know what he thought.
1: I, I don't think it would even be a question. What, what, clearly, he, what he was proud of was, by the time he left office, less than fifty percent of the overall casualties that happened yes. in the Vietnam War had happened by the time he left. <laughs> meaning more that were responsible for. Yeah, he was. Yeah, his predecessors were responsible for more than he was.
0: He was happy that he did not get charged as a war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I would
1: assume so. Yes. Yeah.
0: I like how at the end, too, it was just like a footnote. This is the time in his life I'd really like to know about when it was like, and anyway, after this, he served as the president of the World Bank for like yeah, several probably, decades. Yeah. It was like, what was he up to there? I would like to know all about that.
1: I don't know whether he was up to anything. He was probably enabling a whole lot of nefarious stuff just by ignorance. <laughs> just thought.
0: Hanging out with Milton Friedman, just vibing. Yes, there was indeed. a line right at the end right after that where it was like he served as president of the World Bank and then it was like, um, and he's been fighting for the cause of poverty and injustice around the world. It's like, was that sarcasm? It's <laughs> like, it definitely came across as sarcasm. It was very, or if like McNamara like saw the first cut and was like, God damn it, put something in here about me fighting injustice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, found it very mm-hmm, odd. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Should we talk about the ending a little
1: bit just because like there's a sort of epilogue period at the, at the end mm-hmm. where um, I suppose Morris is trying to press him on certain things to get him to actually reflect. It's mm. peculiar because like throughout the interview he's ostensibly reflecting on on his history, but there are certain vantage points or ways of looking at it. He's just unwilling to go down kind oh, of thing. Yeah. he just knows he's gonna get into so much trouble um he knows there's no way to spin it mm. um and the whole sort of sort of facade of Robert McNamara seems to. Sort of spin apart at the end, kind of thing. I mean, it's it's clever construction of a documentary more than it is like um, a great sort of like um, unpicking of a human being by an interviewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it was it's quite a nice sort of arc of the 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 document the the interview. I felt.
0: Yeah, it's very strange because it's like, yeah, at the end he's basically bluntly asked, "What responsibility do you hold? How do you feel about what was done under your watch?" um that poor quaker um and he 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 just he doesn't want to answer it at all and it's like i was like bummed that that's how the movie ended because i was like oh i would have liked him to say a little bit more and it just ends on this kind of flat note but then you just kind of go well what else would you expect him to say there's no way he was going to take any kind of responsibility that just isn't who he is and so for him to basically just be like yeah i don't know Whatever. Don't, I don't want to talk about yeah, that. I'm not going to answer these questions. Yeah.
1: I'm not going to like,
0: come at it from this angle kind of thing. Well, it's going to get me more into more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, I mean, he gets it, exactly. Because it's like anything he said, because he's a war criminal, would be like either justifying or being like, oh, poor me. And mm-hmm. it's like, he's smart enough at least to realize that anything he says, including not saying anything, comes across very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's what's our what's our take on McNamara uh, in terms of uh, obviously not good guy, uh-huh. but like um, responsibilities? Where do we weigh him up in terms of the atrocities that have been committed in the name of the United States under his? I don't want to say reign, but like tenure as technocrat. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. where do you kind of fall? I mean,
1: I suppose um, my I suppose my initial sympathies after having had this discussion and uh, sort of having reconsidered him to have been somebody who was largely manipulated by all people that he came across <laughs> um he just seems like the ultimate cover for duplicity in others a great and point. i suppose that's why he he wants to blame everybody else at the end i mean maybe yeah. he's fully aware that that's the relationship he has with lbj or whoever like uh like it's all somebody else's fault mm. but i wonder at the time like the 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 job of sort of like um, turning what was... I mean, all, all wars are brutal, but was an incredibly brutal war mm. into breaking it down into a sort of stats game such that you can divest it of some of that kind of like uh, visceral feeling, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be interesting... To, it will be interesting to get some sense of um, what role it... Fit. his sort of like removed bureaucratic style actually in what way that facilitated actually sell continuing to sell this war to an american populace that yeah. might have otherwise been opposed to it kind of thing in what in what way what did he function as a cover for that other people's that's a good evil point. i suppose yeah. um so that might be his like primary role in history i think because it's kind of like yeah i hadn't thought uh, of that as the kind of like friendly face cover i suppose for
0: yeah i mean it's almost not even friendly though he is the perfect cover for american just shittiness Mm. it's like oh well we couldn't have gone to vietnam because a couple of wall street lawyers staged this clearly fake incident in the gulf of tonkin it couldn't have been for private gains it couldn't have been it was it was
1: the the, the 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 North Vietnamese just mistook us for another imperial power like the yeah. French, which was definitely not our intention and our yeah.
0: And it's funny because at the end he talks about meeting I forget exactly who it was, but he talks about meeting like a leader of the North Vietnamese yeah. and having like dinner with them, right? And the guy was basically like, Fuck you, McNamara. And you can tell McNamara is completely sincere when he's like, We were trying to help you. Yeah. Like yeah, he yeah. really thinks yeah. that they were trying to help him.
1: But not only that, like he wanted to go into this interview. Uh, not view, he wanted mm. to meet this representative of the North Vietnamese um in an effort to ascertain whether there was an ultimate course of events where mm. fewer people could have been killed and we could have <laughs> resulted in a different situation kind of thing mm. and I think he he kind of expects to find in what I suppose he thinks of as his counterpart on the other side somebody he was making similarly like almost non-anti or non-humanist considerations like kind of thing. Quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was expected to encounter just, like, his chess opponent.
0: The North Vietnamese Robert McNamara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because clearly for him, it was just this line of, like, moving pieces around the board kind of thing. Mm. Whereas, um, I mean, I would imagine there were many on the North Vietnamese side who had a similar mentality, but, like, mm. so many, vast, vast numbers of, sort of, people died. Mm. Um that it's hard not to sort of to it's not hard not to sympathize with that representative of the North Vietnamese who goes into this thing expect, and wants to just tell McNamara to fuck off. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> no, you invaded us. We wanted our freedom. You invaded us. Um, like we, it was so clear that we weren't stooges for mm-hmm. stooges for the Chinese because we're always fighting we're always, we've always been at war with the Chinese. It's so clear mm-hmm. that we're not stooges of the Soviet Union. But you had to bring us into this sort of, like, imagined global chessboard of um, anti-communist actions that you were taking all over the world. Mm. Um, Because that's clearly McNamara's view on it, right? One of of the sort of, like, conceptual uh, framings that he puts over the whole, his whole sort of description of events is that it was the Cold War, and this is what was happening. We were just sort of playing out the sort of, like... The inevitable toing and fro-ing of the Cold War, yeah, um, and uh, the, the North Vietnamese and uh, sort of personified in this one person whose name we can't recall. Um, <laughs> the North Vietnamese clearly represented, were un- unfortunately, found themselves as uh, an a, a vital tile on that chessboard. Yeah. So sad, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think you hit the nail on the head completely. I think he's an excellent face for America to just to blame all of its disasters on on the technocrat. It can't be anybody else. It can't be imperialism. It can't be greed. It can't be capitalism. Of course, it's not capitalism. It's the technocrats. And it's not, maybe it's not even the technocrat. Maybe it's just the numbers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it, exactly. Really good point. And to a certain extent, it's it's frustrating because it's like, well, this isn't who that movie should have been made about. This movie about these eras should have been made about. The Dulleses should have been made about all of these other people who were, like, really controlling American foreign policy for long. But it's like, wow, what an— I mean, first of all, all these people were dead by then. And McNamara's, like, one of the only ones still alive. But it's like, what an interesting take on this whole era to interview him. Someone who, like, we really want to think of as, like, this arch-villain, but is just, like, kind of like an idiot, but a very smart, like— numbers guy uh-huh. it's just the numbers and that's what he thinks which is mind-boggling it's like he de- it's the numbers damn it it's the goddamn numbers and it's like yeah it's <laughs> crazy it doesn't leave you with a good taste about the united states i'll say that right now no no mm. no, no. <laughs> um
1: and uh yeah imagine more unpalatable
0: in uh immensely more unpalatable morsels are to come <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um <laughs> Secretary of Defense, um, not Robert S. McNamara. Robert S. McNamara, strange McNamara. That was very odd. His name is strange. His middle name is strange. There is a baseball player who's changed his name to honor his mother, who recently passed away. One of the coolest baseball players of recent time. His name was D. Gordon. He changed his name to D. Strange because his mother's maiden name was Strange, I believe. Mm. So it is a name. It is a name. It is a name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Very odd. I, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about McNamara other than kind of what we said. He's he is an he's uh, very interesting to study a, a person he's a very interesting person to study to understand 1939 America, th- like maybe like New Deal America through like the unraveling of the New Deal. Because he's very much like someone that we'd like to blame, someone we would like to light ourselves on fire underneath his office, but it's like yeah, man, stooge, idiot. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I do think of, I do, just feel like he is um, a whole collection of ideologies personified. Yeah. Something like he's yeah. the, um, well, largely he's like the the liberal technocratic outlook on history yeah. or polit- politics or events kind of like personified in almost a true believer. Mm. Um yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does. It sort of feels like what he wants to present is like this is a history of um, a, like genuine, rational, rational, sensible people. Yeah, just dealing with events, doing
0: the best they can, doing the
1: best they can,
0: yeah. and never questioning it. Never questioning like anything. Yeah. Like nothing. To the point, to the point, we one of the more classic bits of the movie is when he's like, so I accepted the job as defense minister. Oh, my wife hated it. It gave her ulcers. It probably wound up, wound up killing her. It gave my kids ulcers. God damn it, it was the best years of my life. It's like, wait wait a minute. Wait a minute, buddy. We <laughs> never
1: really got a good... Um, like. I, initially, I thought what was being presented to us here was um, a person who had... exceptional skills in certain areas who he wasn't who had been recognized by somebody and he needed convincing that he had these skills and they ought to be put to this use yeah but we never actually got a very good explanation any explanation as to why the kennedys actually singled him out as being somebody worth bringing into the cabinet yeah um i mean it may well be that they just look to leaders of business and he was like well he was the most well-paid sort of president. Of any uh, corporation,
0: I think it was like let's bring, let's get rid of the old school guys who do things on guts, and let's use hard science. To, uh-huh, uh-huh, I think that must uh-huh, have been it. Uh-huh, Never uh-huh. seen as progressive. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, perfect. If you ever want to explain to anyone what liberalism is, it is Robert McNamara. He is archetypical liberal never never wants to question anything that's happened beyond the like we did our best damn it and we tried to come to a mutual understanding and we did our best to de- to to defend our values and just and just absolute like vague whims of being progressive but is just an idiot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i keep saying it but r.i.p yeah <laughs> case, our boy our boy bobby strange um. Yeah, hmm. that was fun. That was yeah. fun. Yeah, fun yeah, watching yeah, yeah. As I said, I'm still a little hot from it. But uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've learned a lot. It's changed my perspective on uh, mm. many I, things. On many things. Taught me some some names to watch out for.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um, Errol Morris has another movie that we talked about. Uh, that maybe we'll watch eventually down the line to compare the two. But it's basically the same thing. But it's all about Rumsfeld.
1: Dun, yeah. Dun, yeah. Dun. <laughs> don, don, don. Don, don, don. Ah, Rumsfeld. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah, there yeah, one yeah, day. Yeah. yeah, Jack put me, put these two options to me, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not sure I could watch yeah. Donald Rumsfeld trying to justify... Maybe it's because Donald Rumsfeld's um, in my mind anyway, and I think I'm correcting saying like a totally different type mm. of character. I believe so. But also just like... It, Historically, I'm just so much more connected to yeah. Donald Trump's and his sort of like
0: pure evil. Yeah. <laughs> as I think that we can say that Robert McNamara might. I mean, not it might have been. be an
1: interesting character study comparing the two. Yeah, if we do ever watch that that second documentary. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, good times. Good times, as opposed to back then, which were insane. We forget how insane <laughs> those times were from the beginning, where he's talking about how close they came to nuclear war to like. Oh, my God, how great was it when they were talking about Vietnam protests? And he was like, tell you what, the Pentagon, pretty hard building to defend. Yeah. It's like, don't make it a Pentagon. It's like...
1: Yes, I gave, I gave the president assurances that no gun would be armed, would be loaded without my strict... Uh...
0: Without me saying load them. Yeah. It's like, well, did you say load them? Like... Oh, dear. Dear, dear oh, dear. Nice. Um. yeah Cra- crazy times man absolutely that must have been just crazy with the SDS going on with Vietnam with just coming out of like maybe we're gonna nuclear war is gonna destroy us all have you ever talked about anyone in your family about like what was it like over here the Cuban Missile Crisis do you have any idea was it like was it like damn it almost happened yeah I don't
1: know how it was experienced and I haven't mm. ever spoken to anybody who like I haven't ever spoken to my dad about it What do you remember mm. yeah I would have thought Hmm. Oh no 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 no! I mean, he'd have been eight or nine, hmm. which is old enough to remember, I suppose. But th- I suppose it would be old enough to take in the general tenor of the, the, the atmosphere, the mood. Yeah, the mood. <laughs> the <bad> mood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Vibes were bad in October mm, of '61. Mm,
1: mm, mm. But yeah, it was. It was. Um, was it in this? It was kind of there. Was there was some effort made to explain quite how present the threat felt to people, kind of thing.
0: Like, I feel like everyone I've talked to was like, it wasn't going to happen. I mean, to be fair, I didn't know anybody a lot. I don't know anybody who lived in Florida back then. They would have been like, it's, (laughs) we're all going to die. But I feel like everybody I've talked to was like, it's not going to happen. Come on. But maybe that's just naivety because it certainly seems like it almost happened. I like how McNamara was like, we got a cable from Khrushchev and he must have been drunk or something. I love just imagining Khrushchev just just pounding some vodka and then being like, I got to get in touch with Kennedy, dude. (laughs) doing like lines of coke like uh, get me get kennedy on the phone
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know whether i i interpreted it as being the person who was typing out the message was supposed to be drunk but maybe yeah, they were yeah, all just yeah. like maybe christopher didn't like to drink alone i don't know yeah exactly But it was, i mean but that drunk message was meant to be like it's fine just yeah. just um just withdraw your blockade and we'll remove the warheads and everything will be fine and then they yeah. got a cable later on the same day which was clearly meant to be from all the hardliners being like if you remove a single warhead from Cuba, if you set one foot on Cuban soil, it's yeah. like scorched earth, and we'll destroy Western Europe. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: I don't Spanish know. anarchists are like, "Whoa, <laughs> hey, come on now." Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I do want. I mean, uh, you, 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 you <laughs> you've got. To, you have got to wonder whether what would have happened if Richard Nixon had been elected in the in nineteen
0: sixty. <laughs> I don't know if we'll have to wonder that for very <laughs> long. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe there isn't a lot of thinking to do. Although... We know what would
0: happen. We know, yeah. Well, let's... How about this? Let me phrase this question to you. What, right, Seems like a fan of uh, Ultimate History, so we could... He remember. does. He does. <laughs> McNamara posited that all of... He, the typical liberal, like, should we have these weapons of mass destruction that can be launched by a single person? Typical yeah. bullshit that's <laughs> no, like... No, why no, even ask never, that question? Never,
1: never before has somebody who has been... Um, So fundamental in the deaths of so many human beings said on so many occasions in an interview (laughs) that human beings need to learn to stop killing one another. (laughs) I
0: know. Uh, Maybe that's what made me nauseous. That is just like, you idiot. Yeah, I mean, it
1: seems like it's this kind of like a sort of human nature argument, you know, like human beings have got to evolve beyond... The stage they're at at the moment until we successfully do that somebody's just gonna have to crunch the stats on how many people yeah. are dying
0: <laughs> but it's also like he he posits basically that like he implies that it's like all it's gonna take is one crazy person to get behind the wheel and it's all gonna go to hell it's like well we already had an insane at least one insane person behind the wheel then it was trump and it was like i don't know what that says necessarily I get the feeling it was like nobody was about to like really take Trump seriously, like in his inner circle or whatever, but like maybe it's maybe it's a bigger problem. Something I
1: was wondering in this, um, and I was thinking about asking you whether you know when it was that they started recording all of these cause a lot of the a lot of the like lots of documentaries about this period of time and about these political figures quite a lot of the material comes from these recorded phone calls that were oh, done fair. or recordings that were taken in meetings or in the Oval Office or what have you. Mm. Do you know when they... St- obviously, these recordings were the undoing of Richard Nixon, right? <laughs> yeah. When wow, wow. When did that... Do you know when that sort of practice started? And are they still doing it? And are one day we going to watch documentaries <laughs> that are lots of recorded messages <laughs> and uh, discussions between Donald Trump and his advisors?
0: <laughs> Mom was like, let me be a clue. <laughs> um... I would imagine that Kennedy was the first one to do it, Um, but it might have been Eisenhower. No, I mean, well, it was either Eisenhower or Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, But the first person to like put recording tapes in the Resolute Desk, I think, was Nixon. But I mean, obviously, (laughs) Kennedy was recording people. Um, I don't know if that was like with their knowledge or not. I don't know if those were phone calls or not. Um, Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not Mm -hmm. super sure. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, I mean, maybe they were recording these phone calls for their own mm. records, kind of thing, and they've yeah. since entered the public domain. I suppose.
0: Yeah. To answer your other question. And, oh, they're recording everything. Yeah. must <laughs> be. absolutely. And I, I mean, at least the CIA are. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. Somebody put in a FOIA request for like Donald Trump ordering his breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. How long do we get those tapes? How yeah. do we get those tapes? Release the
0: tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, I I uh, I don't know. Uh, Robert McNamara, archetypical liberal. Um. I don't know if I have much else to say about about this fella. Um. I would like to I would like to find a similar movie, but about um, who's the fat guy that we put on um death watch? Um. Uh. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> not McNamara. The guy whose belly is absorbing his face. <laughs> yes, who's rotting before our eyes. Um. Kissinger. 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 Like to, I like to know more about Kissinger because yeah. whenever you read about any horrible event in that period, well, even longer than that period, obviously, but it's like, and these all all of these events in Syria were preceded by, um, for some reason, Kissinger was there two weeks before. It's like because <laughs> he's marking seems like, targets. Exactly. Brought his sharpie. I mean, he seems like someone who's the opposite, from my limited knowledge, of McNamara yeah. um, of well, someone who's like. Evil ultimately evil yeah. and just like let's do this it's evil who cares i want to make money <laughs> like or expand my influence yeah um been choosing to compare him yeah i mean at a
1: certain point in the history american governments decided that they didn't need to keep around a robert mcnamara yeah. they could just nobody be yeah. cared
0: yeah exactly yeah Ugh,
1: yeah okay here starts our series in uh, biographies of <laughs> some of the most evil people yeah. of the 20th century. Yes,
0: oh, Jeez. Which we might be talking about next week. Mm. Let's tease it. We might be talking about the book finally next week. We might be talking about the book. I don't know if any of you uh, know what we're talking about, but we've been teasing this book for quite some time. It's very yeah. different to anything we've ever talked about before. It's one that I read maybe about a year ago now um, when I went back home and it blew my mind i'll just say that <laughs> but it'll tie in with all this all this junk
1: yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's it's since been in my possession for basically since we started recording this podcast um and i've made very limited progress with it and jack finally twisted my arm and I'm been like it. not that not that i not <laughs> that i was reluctant necessarily um I'm quite excited to get into it, in fact. Mm, so yeah. It's going to be good. It's Wait until you good. get to the third part. Third part, yeah. well, let's not talk about the third no, no, part no, no, for no, now. No. That'll be... We're going oh, to need to grow I, a couple extra I, I wonder, eyes. I wonder whether... Um, I wonder whether we should bring up... Who was it? Was it... Um, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Um, one portion of this documentary that we've yet to mention, and I can't really recall now what the circumstances of it's coming up were... <laughs> were discussions about the possibility of the Soviets testing nuclear bombs on the far side of the moon. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. Whoa. That was awesome. They were like, well, we know they're not testing nuclear bombs, so it's okay. Uh, they're yeah, like, I God damn it, it they it could was, do it on the it far was, side of was, the moon. It
1: was, I mean, I, I don't, I, this doesn't really slot into our, 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 uh, indictment of Robert Ragnarolo necessarily, sure. um, but the, sto- the story was that McNamara... The, the, the US was so well ahead of the Soviet Union and its de- development of its nuclear capacities mm. that um, Robert McNamara was willing to suggest that they could probably stop <laughs> testing nuclear weapons. They had a pretty good grasp on how nuclear weapons worked. <laughs>
0: Listen, we've killed enough Americans yeah. to know
1: you guys. <laughs> we've irradiated enough, enough of Nevada. Yeah to which the uh, some hawks replied i'd really like it to be this this air force general whose name i forgot LeMay. i'd really let's just pretend it was lemay yeah. who suggested that um <laughs> we 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 couldn't possibly trust the soviets to also hold to a sort of like nuclear test ban treaty because they they, they could he suggests perfectly plausibly um test their nuclear bombs on the far side of the moon <laughs> to, to, to which Robert McNamara says that's absurd <laughs> yeah, so, so I think there's the, there's the one overlap between our, our opinion on events <laughs> and Robert McNamara's the possibility that the Soviets might have tested <laughs> nuclear bombs on the far side of the moon was absurd in
0: 1964. To what? To what? To what purpose <laughs> would they have done that?
1: To what end? <laughs> yeah, They're like what to do you kill, know? To kill off the Nazis that are hiding there.
0: <laughs> oh my God! They left Argentina. <laughs> I've never seen that. what's it called Iron Sky. I should watch that movie. Iron Iron Sky. Well,
1: that's the, that's the sort of like B movie where the Nazis are living on the other side of the moon. Oh, but I don't know. I've that never sounds seen good. Maybe we'll watch
0: it. Speaking of. Um, pop culture and uh, stuff like that. One thing that really disturbed me throughout all of this is early on, there's a lot of footage of like people loading bombs into planes and of tanks as far as the eye can see for World War I and then eventually for Vietnam. And <laughs> I'd been all day at work listening to um, Warhammer 40K audiobooks <laughs> on YouTube. It's been a productive day. <laughs> it's been a productive day. I'm tapping away. I'm listening to audiobooks. Let me just say, uh very The Manufactorums of the Imperium. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. would be
1: proud of the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Praise
0: be to the Omnissiah. Yeah, no kidding. It, it just it just made me feel like this World War Two specifically was like I mean, obviously that's where they got a lot of the like Creek Marines stuff like that. But like oh man, it made me feel sick to be like, oh, this actually happened. Millions of people did die. Because I've been listening to like Exterminatus, like, whoa, imagine if this happened on Earth. It's like, oh, it (laughs) kind of did. A billion
1: strong legions of the Imperium (laughs) 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 march to their death on a daily basis in the sort of like unending, grinding, uh, you know, bitter war in the (laughs) 41st millennium where where there is nothing but war.
0: Where there is nothing, there is only war. Imagine that world. Wow, that would be crazy if there yeah. was only war. That that'd would yeah. be brutal We've never lived through that, have we? Jeez. Yeah,
1: um huh. that's something note. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's on my note. Jeez. Um
1: We were trying to like get all out of our kind of like uh, <laughs> Malaise. The Malaise, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> with the Soviets testing missiles on the far side of the moon. Yeah. There was um, no escape. Perhaps. That would be bowler if they did do that. Yeah. I would say I'd be like, all right. Maybe we should have nuclear weapons if that's what they're gonna do with them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um
1: We'd never even seen the far side of the moon when this proposition was made. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly, Dan. <laughs> they could be up to anything. Yeah. Who knows what they're up to, those co- goddamn communists. Um, I, I forget what it's called, so there's going to be no point in me bringing this up, but I'm going to bring it up anyways, is that I found a, a more simplified free version of Warhammer 40k tabletop. Um, just the rules. It's like a, basically like a one-page version of all of the rules. It uh-huh. pretty good. Looks pretty good, I'm going to say. Um, all right. Uh, anything else on McNamara? Nah. Yeah, exactly. Exa- that's pretty much the feeling. McNamara. Ugh. Ugh. Poor guy. Um, well, we will be back next week. Mm-hmm. We will hopefully be talking about the book. And we will be, let's just say, opening our third eye. Hmm. perhaps our third eye will be open um and we'll learn about yours too perhaps (laughs) yours too dear listener and we'll perhaps be learning about the real villains of the uh post-war uh era and who those people might have been and um why we should dismantle on the first day of the revolution yale brick by brick (laughs) that's operation number one. First things first get rid of Yale Yale's gone no more Yaleys coming out of that part of the country I'm definitely on board I'm definitely on board <laughs> we'll move on to yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right well uh, my name's been Jack that was very fun um, and uh, thank you so much for listening
1: my name has been Dan it's been a great pleasure once again <laughs> you've made it to the end of the podcast congratulations
0: congratulations we'll see you next time